You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Let's start the insanity. Yes, no Adams, no Lazard, no problem. Big Bob season, victory by committee. The Packers beating the Atlanta Falcons 30-16, to the final score here just moments ago as the final whistle echoes at Lambeau Field Monday Night Football coming to a close a long, long day. I am Zach Rapport. Uh, at Zach Rapport on Twitter, follow the show at the APC pod on Twitter. We are at two, two schlitz to the wind here with our rapid game reaction and a pleasure to be joined this time on this installment by my good buddy, John Meerdink. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing really good. Packers are 4-0 and and there's a, there's a lot of stuff to talk about from this game. Hell yeah. Well, also peel back the curtain that you and I have been uh, contemporaries at at APC for a while and been kind of DM buddies and have never heard each other's voices until like 30 seconds ago. Nice to meet you. Yeah, it's good to to e-meet you for once. Indeed. And uh, are you going to do the, I know you're on East Coast time, are you going to do the uh, the Beat Reporter thing where you complain about how late it is or are we going to forego that? <laughs> I, I've kind of gotten over that. The The farther I've gotten into the, the podcast life, the more I've made friends from around the world. So I've got, I know at least one listener in American Samoa, and it's, I think it's technically <laughs> tomorrow tomorrow there like <laughs> it's it's supposedly wednesday tuesday here now i think it might be wednesday there so they i i don't even know how that works and i've got other listeners who are in sweden and of course the uk packers folks so they've got it a lot rougher i heard from one today who had a, a 3 a.m kick time so I, we can survive this and but uh, by listeners, you mean for your show? Plug your show real quick before yeah, we get started. <laughs> you may you may know me from uh, from the show Blue Fifty Eight. We've been doing that now. We're in our fifth season, and uh, it, it's going pretty well. It's been pretty exciting so far this season. And uh, I try to pump that show whenever I can because I'm a listener as well, and I'm really glad to have you here, John, to talk about a a pretty awesome game here. As I mentioned, with no Adams, no Lazard. Um, I took I was I was taking notes as the first quarter progressed, and then I realized, uh, got about halfway through the third quarter, that I didn't need to add any additional notes, and that was because kind of what was true in the first quarter kind of was just true for the whole game, and nothing really changed. Did you feel that way? The number one question in my notes right now: We always start off the the post game show on on my show with what happened, and the first question there is. The Packers won, yes, but when was this actually over? And I, I had a lot of this, the same sort of feelings that you did. I think by the time the Packers went up 13 to three, that second touchdown, it was, it felt pretty well done. Like they had proved that they could move it up and down the field. They had proven that, yeah, the Falcons are going to take some shots deep, but they're not going to hit them consistently enough to stay in this game. And from there, it, it kind of felt like window dressing. 
Yeah, indeed. Um, it seemed... I, I wanted to say partway through this game, too, that the one of the stories on the negative side was that the defense still can't stop the run. But yeah, the commentators mentioned uh, something about not needing to stop the run necessarily just because of the situations that they've been in so far this season. And it made me think back to earlier games and teams like the Lions and, and teams like the Vikings, for example. And um, not that I'm saying that if they really, really, really needed to, they could. I'm not sure I believe that. But have they had that test? I don't know. I, I don't know. Am I making sense? <laughs> Does that make sense to you, John? No, I, I completely understand what you're saying. And this is a point I've actually defended Mike Pettin on a little bit. I I don't love the philosophy that you'll concede the run. I don't want to say concede, but you'll you'll focus more on the pass defense than than the run. But within how the Packers want to do things, if the offense is clicking, you don't have to worry about the run defense because the the other team can't run the ball. You're not going to run yourself back into a game where you're down what twenty to three in the second half, heading into yeah. the second half. It, it just isn't going to happen. And so if you can take the run away from them. It doesn't matter if you can defend it or not. Is that a sound strategy long-term? I don't know. I think we saw a team in the playoffs last year that decided that they were just going to run the ball no matter what, and it, they didn't have to pass. So it didn't matter how well the Packers could do defending the pass, but that's a question for a much different day. We're a long way from stuff like that. Yeah, and it's a, it's especially true when you're facing teams that um, are really, really depleted in the secondary, and that's at least two. I think I would I would say the Vikings, too, don't have the best secondary at this point, but the Lions and the Falcons especially, it was just UPS drivers and sandwich makers out there, um, and nothing against the UPS drivers and the sandwich makers of the world, but they don't always make great uh, cornerbacks and safeties, and so... You uh, feel pretty comfortable just kind of like you said, you know, I don't again, conceding is maybe the the wrong word, but you feel more comfortable kind of like just relaxing, laying back a little bit and keeping everything in front of you, I guess, as a commentator might say. Yeah. And the Packers, if they can figure out a safety rotation that really seems to work, that that'll be an even better strategy. If they could get Darnell Savage to maybe take a little bit better angles, that might help their game a little bit in that respect. I, I did like what I saw from Raven Green a little bit tonight, but Savage is is raising some eyebrows and not in the right way so far. Yeah, I agree. And um yeah, it was good to see uh well not good that he was that Raven Green was pressed into action, I suppose, but it was good to see him him get some snaps and I saw some mostly good stuff, I would say, um, out of him. Let's talk about my friend Big Bob and I'm so I'm already looking at my board and I'm struggling to find uh, <laughs> the drop. So I'm gonna hear about it on on Twitter because we'll just we'll just move on and we'll just I'm as as I said on Twitter I felt like I was running out of sort of superlatives at some point because I always like to make uh, Big Bob jokes and and references throughout the game. But I think it was uh, three touchdowns, 98 yards on six receptions. Is this the emergence of Big Bob truly as as the number one threat on the tight end position? Of the four guys that the Packers have that are that are taking reps as, as tight ends or something resembling tight ends, so Mercedes Lewis, Tanyan, Jay Sternberger, and Josiah DeGuara, he seems to be the most complete package. Mercedes Lewis can run or can block, but he can't run. Sternberger doesn't seem to have really figured out how to do either just yet. 
uh, Deguara is more of the H-back type, more almost of a fullback. And so Tanyan, almost by default, is tight end one. But he's showing that when he gets the opportunities, he can really take advantage of them. And he took advantage in a big way. I know you, I know you like notable nuggets. Um, <laughs> so we will, we will wind back the clock to September 25th, 2011. That was the last time a tight end scored three touchdowns in a game for the Packers. Jermichael Finley did yep. it against the Chicago Bears. What a day that was. And Tanyan matched him today. I'll give you a, I'll give you a ding for that. What a nugget. I, uh, I was texting a little bit with, uh, with, with Ben Foley and Alex Patakis during the game. And we, I think it was Alex called out. We kind of realized that, uh, Tanyan with, I believe five touchdowns this season has as many touchdowns as Jimmy Graham had for the Packers in two full seasons. At least as many, he might have more. I don't. I can't even remember a single Jimmy Graham touchdown. I know he scored a couple of them. I cannot remember <laughs> any one of them that seems to have made any kind of difference in a game the Packers uh, played. It's like your uh, your stance on that Dolphins game from a few years ago. I'm pretty sure it happened. Technically, it must have happened. I just don't remember literally anything about it. <laughs> that actually came up in a conversation I was having with somebody during the game, saying that this game is going to be that version or the the 2020 version of that game a couple years from now. And like 2022, we're going to look back and be like, hey, did the Packers scored 30 points against the Falcons on Monday night. I don't remember. I, I don't, I, Robert Tonyan had three touchdowns that night. Man. That, I guess so. I'll take your word for it. I can. I will confirm five touchdowns for Jimmy Graham in his tenure. I believe you. I, I <laughs> can hardly remember one of them. <laughs> Let's switch um, teams for a second because I wanted to talk about uh, Matt Ryan, if just for a moment, because um, he's obviously a pretty prolific player in terms of raw stats, but I haven't actually watched a ton of Matt Ryan outside of some games that the Packers have played. Um, and something that I, I noticed, I think that I noticed, and I wanted to get another professional opinion on this or semi-professional, professional-ish <laughs> opinion on this. That's good enough this. for me. Yeah, that's good enough for midnight on the East Coast. Um, is he f- seemed inaccurate uh, with his deep balls. Would you say that that is, was that, did you observe that at all? I don't know. I was surprised by that. A number of balls kind of sailing over guys' heads, and I don't know. It just struck me as odd. That felt atypical to uh, for Matt Ryan for me. Maybe um, I don't know. What did you notice? I was digging into his numbers a little bit this week, and he actually kind of set me up for a really good point here. So one of the the numbers I look at when we're we're previewing games is uh, is catchable balls, and uh, Matt Ryan actually ranks down near the bottom of the league according to Sports Information Solutions. A tracking of those numbers among players who have a hundred or more pass attempts this year, he is the fourth worst in the league when it comes to catchable balls. Wow, so that, that, that's about twentieth or so. There are about twenty or so players who have attempted that many passes, but he's down hanging around with people like Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins. Carson Wentz is the only other player in the neighborhood for Matt Ryan who's completing balls or throwing catchable balls at the same rate that he is. Now, you do have to factor in that Ryan is throwing down the field a lot, but it doesn't yeah. get much better when you just look at the numbers that that SIS considers on target. He's also down near the bottom of the league in those numbers, too. So it he does throw deep a lot, but he's not connecting 
a whole lot either. He's not throwing balls that are that are considered catchable. And and Russell Wilson, who goes deep just as much as Aaron Rodgers and just as much as Ryan, is up there at the very top of the league in the same numbers. So it's it's something that can be done. You can go deep and and do it accurately. And it didn't seem like Ryan was doing that tonight. Something I I don't know because I've never played quarterback at the NFL level, but something I think you hear come up a lot with uh, with people, especially guys like Ron Jaworski and, and other evaluators who played quarterback at the NFL level, is that when guys start to age, their feet and their legs start to go a little bit. And that was something that just anecdotally, it feels like something you can look back and see a little bit with Ryan tonight. His feet just seemed off and he yeah. just didn't seem set or stable or, or comfortable. And I wonder if that plays into that. That's shooting from the hip. Maybe it, it'll be an, an uncatchable ball like Matt Ryan, but that's my two cents. No, I mean, he did seem a, a little bit uh, clumsy, a little bit flat-footed from the waist down. And it's a stark contrast to uh, someone like Aaron Rodgers, who uh, we learned this offseason really did focus on the lower body and leg strength and balance. And it, it's, I mean, not that these two players are totally comparable, but it is kind of a night and day difference uh, seeing them in the same game. Very much so. And I think even... You can start to see the age in in Rogers' game a little bit as a scrambler now, but even what he can do at 36 is is a lot better than what you get from Matt Ryan. Yeah, agreed. Here's a question for you: Will the Packers ever stop calling uh, runs up the get on fourth and one? No, I don't think so. And <laughs> and I'm not even opposed to that play per se. But could we not do it at a shotgun? I, yeah. <laughs> you, everybody in the stadium, all 36 of them who aren't playing for the either team involved knows it's coming if you put somebody like AJ Dillon in there but if if you're all you're trying to get is one yard why not like he's 250 pounds he's got to be able to do something yeah you'd think so just frustrating uh week after week to kind of see that trend emerging but um another trend that is emerging is victories four and oh as I want to get your final thoughts here we talked um Uh, A little bit last week, Alex Patakis and I about the idea of tiers and if the Packers were a tier one team and who else is in that tier. Alex and I were texting during during this game and and kind of decided uh, uh, perhaps this game puts them firmly in tier one. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, not they are not just four and oh, but they are four and oh against the NFC. They are four and oh against the NFC and all alone in first place in the NFC North since the Bears lost. They're 4-0 against the NFC in first place in the North and heading into a bye week, so nobody can catch them. If that's not Tier 1, I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree. I guess I'm always sort of trying to be the the, the realistic, rational fan in, in, in thinking about these things and thinking about the caliber of the opponents. And, um, you know, we had talked a lot in the, in the lead up to the season about how much we could take away from this first handful of games, given the sort of truncated training camp and no preseason, but it's hard not to, to sort of get on board and be overly optimistic with these results so far. No, I, I agree there. And, and if you want to put a more like pragmatic take on it, what was the big knock against the Packers last year? So they didn't necessarily dominate opponents. Well, yes. if not for a late kind of cosmetic field goal, they'd have beat the Saints by 10 points. They yeah. doubled up on the Lions. They beat the Vikings by nine. And now they just took care of the Falcons. They're, they're doing what they're supposed to do against teams that they're supposed to beat. And they're, they're not squeaking out any wins against anybody. Uh, that That's good football and 
sooner or later that just adds up and it, it doesn't matter what the, the larger trend is. You're just taking care of business week in and week out. Yeah. And that's something that uh, our buddy Matub on, on Twitter uh, reminded me of. I saw an interaction where, where um, he said something along the lines of like, it just feels nice to get convincing victories. I didn't know how much I, I missed that. And that's really what is going on here is taking care of business uh, against inferior opponents and feels nice. <laughs> yeah, it does feel really nice. And, and, Something that I do on my show after every game is we talk a little bit about what what didn't go so well in the game, and it's really hard to find something today. Sure, there's there's some stuff where maybe it wasn't as pretty as it could have been, but the Packers beat up on a team again tonight for the fourth week in a row. I, I have a hard time complaining about that. Nothing to complain about there. It feels good. And it feels good, John, to finally break the seal, get you on the show, and get a... Get our voices on the same uh, internet space. Well, it feels really good to be here. Hope we can do it again. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, definitely. Thank you so much for joining me again on <laughs> East Coast time. Go to bed, get some sleep. I appreciate it. That is going to do it for us here uh, until Wednesday night, Thursday morning. We're pushing our next episode out a day. Give us a break, Monday Night Football. Come on, we will be back to talk your notable nuggets and all things uh, Green Bay Packers victory at that point, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts if you've not done so already. Patreon.com slash NoteNugs is also a thing you can do. NoteNugs, N-O-T-E-N-U-G-S. Thank you guys again for listening. And until next time, let's go Pack Go! Go!